Hello, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT. I am freezing. We're live on twitch.tv slash DNI Stream. I am Josie Howarth, and I am contractually obligated now to read this script. And as always, I am joined by the most awesomest, bestest, brilliantest, beardiest, coolest, musicianist, guinea pig-lovingest, perfectionist co-host, Chris Seabach. I, I don't know what you mean about contracts. And I'll also, I, you added extra stuff there. I didn't I ask did. you to read all that. <laughs> so thank you very much, Josie. It's wonderful to have you back, as, as always. You, as, as those regular listeners will know Josie came back last week, so we're very very pleased to have her back. Um, and thank you very much, and thank you to everybody in chat. There's already a little bit going on in there. Um, if you do have any questions, queries, or anything like that during the show, please do get involved. Ask them. Might pop them up. We might read them out. We probably will read them out. We usually read most people as long as they're not being nasty or horrible to us. And even then, sometimes we might do it. You never know. <laughs> the way I say it is if you're going to troll, troll intelligently. I've yes. seen it all before, you know. Use proper grammar, the whole kit and caboodle. Anyway, before we get going, as always, it's time for our icebreaker. And I've got a really simple one for you, Chris. You have to pick one of these three things that will be the source of your entertainment for the rest of your life? Is it a book or books in general, movies or TV shows? I'm going to rule movies out because, because I used to love movies. I've got a wall full of DVDs and Blu-rays downstairs, and obviously you know, we've all got Netflix these days and that kind of thing. It doesn't do much mm. for me. So people in chat are already saying, um, Volstrat says books, Thrashox says books. Um, so it was, what were the other two? Books and? Books, movies, or TV shows? TV shows. Yeah, for am me I, it's books. Am I, I on my own for eternity or have I, am I, is it just my normal life? Like with it's, my wife and everything? It's just your normal life with your wife. It's right. just you have to pick one. TV shows then. You guys like that trash TV, don't you? No, no, it's not that actually. It's more dramas and comedies, and like we're watching um, this. This it's not a swear because it's the name of the show, but it's uh, Shit's Creek at the moment, which is a Netflix mm -hmm. Canadian thing, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Right, like the characters. I like long drawn out TV shows like Breaking Bad, dramas, that kind of thing, because I can get really invested in the characters, and I like seeing them develop over the course of things. Books, I like long movies to me. And I struggle to have time. I've lost interest in the book I'm reading at the moment, and I do it all the time. And that's the problem with me. I love reading, but I also lose interest in it very mm. easily because I don't have the the attention span, I think. I only read at night when I'm going to go to sleep, and it sends me to sleep. So it's going to have to be TV shows. Yeah, for me, it, it's different for me because it's books. I mean, books are one of the number one sources of entertainment for me. I read, on average, about 500 books a year. Mm. I read really fast. I have an incredible ability to absorb the information that I've read. Um, I consider myself very, very, very lucky. Um, I'm kind of sad right now because I feel like I've read almost every book possible already on like Kindle Unlimited. So I'm sitting there struggling for books right now. But um, I don't see words when I read. Yeah, you said this before. I've, I've got a friend who's similar. He's he skim reads books. Like I went on holiday with him, and he read uh, within the course of a week. He read four books, and I struggled to read like a quarter of one. And we read at the same time, and he was just flying through them like this. And I'm like, "Are you even take? Are you even enjoying that?" <laughs> I get I get a kick out of the um, in the Kindle because I I do Kindle on my phone because it just makes it so much easier. But um, it always puts up the average time it would take you to read a book. And it can guess based on pretty much your reading experience. So it's using the statistics and the metrics of what you have. And, you know, when my husband looks at it, it's something like 16 hours. When I look at it, it's like three. Hmm. You know, I just, I have, I don't know what it is and I don't know where it came from, but I just have this ability to read through really quickly. And it's interesting because when I start reading books that are not fiction based, 
or are more um, like educational based things like, you know, penguin books or something else like that. I get a chalkboard in my brain. All right. So when some, like I'm reading about anything, like if I'm reading about Pearl or something like that, there's a chalkboard in my brain and there is a stick figure teacher writing on the chalkboard. When I start seeing examples and things like that, it's really weird, but yeah, (laughs) for me, anytime books. I I want to say books. I want to say books because I know that books are, you can, imagine more you know you put more things in place i've enjoyed books and then hated movies i've also in and and tv shows and then also done the other way around as well i've also watched a tv show or a movie and then read the book and been like i actually prefer you know the movie and it doesn't really matter which way round they come i can i can look at them individually sometimes they're both great in their own way but i don't yeah i wish i could say books but i just don't have the attention span for them that's my problem Maybe the imagination. I don't know what it is exactly. I just. I think it depends entirely on what you're capable of doing. For some people, when they watch something, it's the ability to shut off. So I think that's what happens with me is my brain literally shuts off. And I have, for lack of a better term, a 3D projection going on. Mm. Um, which I will tell you, if you're an author and you want someone to read your books and, you know, proofread them for inconsistencies, I'm really good at that. There is nothing worse than me reading something in a book bag showing up out of nowhere. I'm like, this was never mentioned before. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, you said that the car was green. Why is it now red? What's wrong with you? No, that's not the correct clue. That clue didn't exist for so, chapters. Like, I, great I skill am to have. great at that. Uh but yes, so that's that's our fantastic icebreaker yeah. question. And, and everyone in chat basically said books, so I'm the odd one out here. So I'm the I'm the outlier. I'm the uh, yeah. Anyway, so right, so on to today's show. We have entitled it. It takes scrum to know scrum. That was kind of thrown into into our private Discord chat very quickly because both Josie and I are very busy at the moment. We haven't we don't even talk to each other during the week <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> we just we just have very brief one word conversations and we end up putting the show together. So sorry if it's a bit haphazard. It was more than one word, in one <laughs> sentence. But so yes, 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 it takes Scrum to, to know Scrum. There's actually a double meaning for that because I found fairly recently i'd say in the last few years that you need to know scrum in order to be able to practice it properly and coming from another background uh, such as waterfall or, or another kind of process um it's it's different and it's more abstract and there's a more abstract way of thinking about it and it's focusing on a completely different thing um other than well, we'll get into the details of it later on, but it's focusing on something very, very different, and and it's hard for some people to switch the brains into that mode, um, and it takes practice to become good at it, and that's yes. the, that's the key thing. Um, so we we done this again because last last episode uh, a couple of weeks ago we. Um, I mentioned Scrum about a million times, and Josie said, right, let's... Uh- okay, let me just point out that not only has he mentioned it a million times in the last time that we got together, I've been putting our shows up that I've missed, that I haven't been able to be a part of because I've been sick, up on Spotify. So for those of you, or not just Spotify, but all the other platforms, for those of you who are wondering where our episodes go, they're coming. And so far in every episode I've watched, he's mentioned Scrum at least once. So I'm just like, you know what? This is this is a bit like that IR35 thing where he's not going to shut up about it unless we have a show. Well, you see, we've already done a show. Um, as we did a show on agi- agility or agile, yes. rather, which is Scrum, kind of. Um, it's not the same thing, but we'll again we'll talk through that. Yeah. Um, a few uh, months back, with in fact, it was almost it was over a year ago now um, with Mark Walsh, one of our guests, uh, regular guest. Gosh, um, we've been I around forever. Yeah, we're I don't think I don't think you were show. in that show. It was just me, me and that one, oh. Josie. So you missed it. So anyway, we get an opportunity to. This. So let's start with a question for Josie. Yes, Josie, yes. have you ever done Scrum properly? And in fact, does anybody ever do Scrum properly? Do you no. know enough about it? to no. to say that that's see that's the thing i do so much development solo 
that I've never had a scrum thing. Um, the majority of what I know about scrum comes from everything that I've heard from other people along with, you know, developers who are like, well, in a scrum environment, you have a scrum master and you have these little sit downs to decide what projects you're working on and they should be really short. But then I hear the horror story side of things. So I hear from the developers who sit there going, okay, that took two hours. What the hell? So, yes. So... <laughs> Scrum so, is oh. so. Let's let's give let's let's give a high level of a Scrum. Scrum is a framework that adheres or should really adhere to the Agile Manifesto. We talked about the Agile Manifesto last time. I'm going to briefly read it out word for word, just so we have somewhere to start from and we can refer back to it because this is mm-hmm. key to actually running the Scrum framework properly. When I say properly, Scrum is extremely flexible as well, but it's flexible as long as you accept its values and it and the way that it's supposed to work. You can't just, to me, you couldn't have Scrum without the daily Scrum in my eyes. And I feel like when you're working in a proper Scrum environment, the ceremonies that Scrum prescribes are extremely important as well. So let's read out the Agile Manifesto to start off with. So okay. individuals and interactions over processes and tools – that's kind of a dig at things like waterfall where everything's a process, everything is driven by the stage before it. Whereas Scrum and kind of well, Scrum has stages, but that it's a circular thing. It, it feeds back into itself and all of the stages kind of feed into each other within a very short iteration. Whereas waterfall, a waterfall project runs, let's say for example, a project runs for two years, you'll have three months of requirement gathering followed by three months of planning, followed by three months of um, of design, followed by implementation, which might go round in circles with testing and development, but you won't actually have a product that you can deliver or any kind of... Um, any kind of product at all, really, until the end of the process two years later. Whereas Scrum focuses on uh, delivering in short iterations and saying, right, we've now got a prototype, we've now added something to the prototype, we've now added something different. And the main key difference is that it focuses on the value of the features. Because software is never finished. And I've said this so many times, and I love the phrase, it's the Leonardo da Vinci's kind of paraphrase about art software is never finished it is only abandoned because we I never, agree with that we never ever finish and we're always going to be changing it upgrading it until at some point it becomes useless mm-hmm. and at that point we abandon it and we go right we're going to rewrite it or we're going to it's the product's no longer useful and that's what Scrum focuses on. It focuses on the honest part of software, whereas Waterfall looks at something as a big, massive project with a final delivery date, which is unrealistic because things change. In two years' time or one year time, so many variables change that Scrum focuses on the change, that that, that is the constant, you know? Right. So that's the first Agile manifesto. The second one, or or tenant of the manifesto rather, uh, working software over comprehensive documentation. Again, another dig at kind of having so many documents that are output by each kind of uh, waterfall-driven stage. Customer collaboration over contract negotiation. This one's a bit up and down for me, so there has to be some real contract negotiation in place you know for most customers depending on what kind of software you're delivering you know that has to exist somewhere but customer collaboration i think is extreme i mean extremely important if you cannot change based on what your customers want you're going to be seen as obtuse you're going to be seen as somebody who cannot adapt obtuse or obsolete both you're going to be seen as somebody who doesn't want to change because you do it this way Whereas with a Scrum... Adapt to change, my friends. If you're getting in development, just accept change happens. And accept the more it changes, the more it stays the same. And this leads into, well, I've almost said the next, the, the last, um, there's only four points on the manifesto. Uh, responding to change over following a plan, i.e. stop worrying about trying to deliver to that 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 date in two months, in two years' time. Actually, deliver in small increments and deliver the most valuable features first. That's the that's the ideal world, excuse me. <laughs> but we don't live in an ideal world. 
No, no, we don't. No. So what is your experience of Scrum then so far, Josie? What have you have you worked on as a outside of a Scrum or in a, a Scrum or have you never no, really that's, experienced that's it? That's the thing. I mean, I've I've done agile things, but I've never done Scrum. And it's uh Scrum is one of those things where I I see in developer talks and developer uh, conferences and things like that, Scrum does get talked about along with Agile. And of course there is a debate of, is Agile really good? Like there's a whole pollination across opinions. Um, but for the most part, everything I hear about Scrum, when implemented well, and that's the important part here because I hear so many horror stories of it not being implemented well um, or only being partially implemented or stunted in its implementation or like I, I hear the horror stories, mm -hmm. um, but when it's implemented well, it's a very um, uh, driving force towards keeping a project going period. And Cause one of the things that can happen in a project is people can just become uh, uh, fatigued by the project itself. Oh, yeah. And, Agile actually helps prevent fatigue on that. It gives you right. So, so let's talk about the before we go any further about talking about the, the pros and cons of Scrum because there's lots of mm -hmm. both. Let's talk about the process, the official definition of Scrum or the ideal yes. uh, definition of Scrum, <clears throat> or rather the ideal ceremonies involved in Scrum. Let's talk about those. Um, ceremony chris well so a ceremony is something that you do as part of a process so that immediately takes me straight to the first agile manifesto of uh, individuals and interactions over processes and tools that doesn't mean we don't have processes and tools that just means that we prefer and we value individuals and interactions between those individuals including customers and other pe members of the team and other members of the business over the processes and tools if the processes and tools are getting in the way get rid of them or change them and that's the point people focus on the ceremonies as something that is uh in the way sometimes so let me explain the ceremonies officially let's Let's go with a hypothetical um, scrum, uh, sorry, a, a sprint of two weeks. So a sprint is a period of time where you start and you end that iteration. By the end of the iteration, you should officially have some kind of working software or something to show. Now, I'm working um, in a team at the moment that I am training everybody on scrum um, generally, and they... They come from a waterfall kind of background because mm -hmm. of the customers that they work with. So it's 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 slowly, I'm slowly introducing things to them as it becomes relevant. And the good thing about Scrum is that at the end of every iteration, you have something called a review and have something called a retrospective where you can look at the process and you can figure out what needs to change. You can take feedback from members of the team and you can seek to improve it over the next sprint. So you've got a two-week period where you deliver something. You look at the things that you've delivered. You have already assigned a value to those things. So you can also measure how much uh, velocity we talk about uh, mm -hmm. that that team has. So at the beginning of the process, so let's say we've just started out at the beginning of this two-week process, we have something called a sprint planning meeting. And this is the, this is the bane of a developer's life. Because this yeah. is, for a two-week period, the it's traditionally known to be a four-hour meeting, and it's usually supposed to take place Monday morning between 9 or whatever and 12, and, and it's, it's time-boxed. All of these ceremonies are time-boxed. So that four hours, you talk about the problems. If you're coming out of a last – if it's a start sprint, then you, you know, you're in a start-up mode, so you don't really have anything to talk about in terms of retrospectivity, but you do have something to talk about in terms of these are the general requirements that we have, that we know. These are the things that we know we need to do. Let's create, you know, let's um, start working on them. Let's plan how to work on them. And basically, you take the things called product backlog items, which are just tasks that need to be performed, or user stories if you're working with user stories and and, and uh, customers that understand them and want to work in that way. You take them and then you split them up into tasks and estimate how long them tasks are going to take and you talk as a team as a development team 
about what is going to be what it takes to fulfill that requirement. If you don't mm. know what it takes to fulfill that requirement, then you do things called spikes, which you go off and figure things out and then feedback yeah. to the team. Um, if you do know, then you're able to estimate as best you can. Over time, over the a number of sprints, you as a team become better at estimating as well because you refine the process, you refine how you create tickets and how you um, put things down. You know, you never. It's always difficult defining what a PBI is versus what a task is versus what you know. Usually, you know what a bug is, but <laughs> other than that, you don't know what a feature or yeah. an epic is and things like that. And all of those things are all malleable. We started off um, in this team by the product owner, which I haven't got into the, the roles yet. We started off with the product owner going away and creating all of the epics and all of the features and then starting to create all the PBIs. And it's like, it didn't work because he didn't know enough about, he knows about the architecture of the system. He doesn't know enough about the business requirements and anywhere near enough about the code and the amount of change that needs to happen in the right. code. So he, it was, it was wrong. So basically within two or three sprints, we actually scrapped that idea and we just went down to, right, let's just start a little bit more granular and let's look at creating essentially requirements, right? We need a error logger, you know, we need to handle the view models. We need to handle this, all of these individual things that the team knows about the database needs to change in this way, you know, all kinds of different things within a software development cycle. And then we split them down at a task and allocate them to different people. Um, so that's what the sprint planning's for. It's to essentially get your ducks in the row for, uh, in a row for the next two weeks or four weeks, if it's a four week sprint or God forbid you do longer sprints than four weeks. It's madness. <laughs> Sorry if you can hear that noise outside. There's someone decided to pull up and play music no. straight outside. But anyway, um, so that's the first ceremony. The second ceremony that comes along is the daily spr the daily um, scrum, also known as a stand-up in some circles. doesn't really matter what you call it. What's important is that it is a 15-minute meeting Say you've got five members of your team, 15 minute, maybe a bit longer if you've got more members of your team. But essentially, what have I done yesterday? What am I doing today? What am I blocked by? And what the key thing is, is what you're blocked by. Who, yeah. what are your impediments? You know, don't, it's not about updating people. It's not about updating the product owner. It's not about updating the other members of the team, what you've done necessarily. It's about what am I blocked by to get the work done that needs to be done by the end of this sprint. It's also worth noting as well in the, in the sprint planning meeting that we talk about, we set a high-level goal for the sprint. We say that this is what we want to achieve by the end of the sprint. We want a working prototype. We want three forms done for the website, you know, or whatever. Whatever right. it is, you define what it is, and then you work backwards. And then you figure, or you might even work on the task first and then go, actually, this looks like the actual goal of this sprint is actually about exception logging or something like that. You know, it could be mm -hmm. anything, but everybody works together as a cross-functional team to get to that goal. So the daily scrum is about aligning yourself with the rest of the development team, and that's it. It's not an update meeting, and that's a key thing because that often happens it often changes it's not a detail driven meeting either you don't talk about low level bits of information that you need to know you know you, you don't say oh that the interface that i've been working on is wrong and i need to change it and that's going to affect you um jeff and that's going to affect you sarah you know it's not about that it's about making sure that you can communicate with each other very briefly and quickly and take anything more detailed offline and don't waste anybody else's time because time is important and expensive Time is money. It is. I realise I'm doing most of the talking here, but hopefully you don't mind that, just <laughs> No, this, the entire purpose here is a learning lesson. I mean, I, I basically like led you through several episodes before. I mean, this I, they see nothing wrong with this. Besides, in the end, you still need to finish defining ceremonies. I do. So th that's the second ceremony. There's two more ceremonies that occur within sprint, uh, within a sprint, within Scrum, and they're the only ceremonies that are recognised. I've, I've already mentioned them, and they come at the end of the sprint, or one. Yes, they both come at the end of the sprint traditionally, but mm, the the team that I'm working in now wanted to do the planning, the retrospective, and the review all in one day, and it was just tiring, and I. I warned them. <laughs> I warned them that it was going to be a long, long, I think that would mentally day. drain you. It, it did. And we didn't I mean, get anywhere near me. what we needed done, done. So the sprint and the, sorry, the, the, sprint, retros, the, the sprint review is about showing what you've completed. 
showing the product owner, showing the rest of the team what you've completed and how it kind of works. Now, one of the key things there is is making sure that you don't show work that isn't finished yet. It's all it's important to show work that um affects other people, I suppose, but that isn't finished is the key thing and defining that is the hard thing. Defining and we, we you might have heard the term the definition of done. Defining the definition of done is one of the most difficult things in Scrum I've found. Actually saying that I think it's one of the most finished. difficult things I think it's one of the most difficult things, uh, period, and when it comes to any kind of development. Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, even with the stuff that I do, which in some cases could be an incredibly simple website, is it done? Is it done? And there's always something more you can do to improve. Always. So, but there has to be a good enough as well, the way I see it. That's the you key know? thing. It's not good enough. What it is, is the definition of done is about defining during sprint planning, usually, and agreeing across the team that this is the acceptance criteria for this ticket. We appreciate that exception handling has more work to do on it, but the actual definition of done is we need to create a few classes or we need to uh, expose those classes to the upper layers or whatever you want to do. Then there's tons of other things that need to be done on it, but the definition of done is key to being able to, one, estimate things in terms of effort. So effort mm -hmm. isn't about hours. Effort is about um, you might use story points, you might use T-shirt sizes, you might use for, for Fibonacci numbers. It could be anything. It has to be. The key thing about that in the planning is it has to be unemotional. There has to not be an emotional attachment to how much... Uh, time something is going to take it's about relative effort versus a benchmark or versus what you've done in the past so what you t what i tend to do is i show people all of the points that we allocated to previous tickets that have been completed if we need to alter those points a little bit we might do but generally we'll look at them and go right so you're saying that this item we're talking about is more work than that last one? Oh no it isn't no it isn't so then let's bring it down a bit is it more work than the than this other one or well, see, is it less when you, work when you get a baseline you have a lot of good things you can compare to now i'm going to jump in real quick because we got a question from the chat which i think is a very viable one i know what you're talking about but will track would like to know the product owner yes it's a role within the dev team not the customer right i would I keep getting confused with those role designations i would like to defer that until a little bit later because we'll get onto that in a minute i want to finish the ceremonies off first because we're still not quite there okay so i will answer that because that's one of the things i have to we have to talk about to define scrum you so, have to understand the roles that are yes. available yeah so the, re the the review um the the review is about showing your work it's about discussing what you've done and grooming the backlog at a high level to make sure that the backlog is uh, in a in a position that the sprint planning meeting can go smoothly. I've had very recently, in fact, quite a few planning meetings that have gone completely awry because nobody's been grooming the backlog properly. And I'm training people to slowly do that. It's the, the responsibility of the entire team to do that. The product owner's responsibility in that particular respect is prioritizing things, and I'll tell you why later on. So the last ceremony involved in Scrum comes straight after the it, – it's immediately after. I mean, the Scrum review, a couple of hours, you know, two hours maybe for a two-week sprint at the most, um, and the sprint retrospective, one and a half to two hours for a, a two-week sprint – um, this is about looking at the processes, looking at the tools, looking at things like the build process, looking at the environments that you're working in, looking at the interactions between people, figuring out if uh, the migration that we've you know we've moved from SVN to Git, or we've moved from um, I don't know, we've moved from Jenkins to Azure DevOps, or we've moved into AWS um, Elasticsearch or something recently. Are they working? You know, is it is have they was it a good decision? Do we need to go back on that decision? And, and going back on things is fine as long as we understand that change is the only constant and it will always change. And it's yeah. not a problem. Admitting defeat on something, don't keep bashing away at something just because it it's the way you used to do things or you've already made that decision so we must, we must have a result. If your spikes have gone wrong, then discard them. You know, that's the key thing there. Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, I'll, I'll get into that uh, later. But, yeah, 
I, so I know what you mean by Each that. of those ceremonies are, uh, we'll now get into roles. So we'll answer Volstrat's question uh, very shortly. But each of the ceremonies are attended by different members of the um, scrum team. The scrum team only recognises three. Three roles, nothing else matters to scrum. And I mean nothing else matters to scrum, as Metallica would say. First of all, <laughs> the product owner role. Secondly, the scrum master role. And thirdly, a development team member. Now, bear in mind that the development team member, one of the development team members, may be a scrum master. They may also be the product owner, but they don't have to be. The product owner, so let's start with that, and let's actually answer Volstrat's question. So let's read out his question again, just to... Uh, the product owner is a role within the dev team, not the customer, right? I keep getting confused with those role designations. Right. So the product owner, yes, they are a, a member of the Scrum team. The product owner traditionally is somebody who liaises between the dev team and the business or the customer, depending on what who you face. Basically, the business can be a customer as well, if you're writing Could, an internal line of business software, for example. Would you state then that it's more likely that in Scrum, the product owner is liaison with the stakeholders? Yes, in stakeholders. Project management. Stakeholders, stakeholders is the exact right is, word, Because yes. stakeholders, in the end, tend to be sometimes like the higher-ups and management, but it can also be the customer. But... You know, it depends entirely upon the types of projects you're working on, too. It does. Now, the product owner also acts as a buffer between the development team and the business. One of the worst things that can happen in Scrum is the business, somebody who is not involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the Scrum team, comes in, somebody from the business or the customer comes in and goes, no, I want this to change in the middle of a Scrum. It's Change is good, but change generally should only happen outside the Scrum. And it should be in the backlog. Now, if we've agreed to do something in a scrum as part of the sprint planning, we should know enough about it to be able to make decisions and actually get it down, you know, actually get the work done and have a finished product or fin a workable feature of some description. The product owner's job is almost not just a buffer, but almost a guard for the development team as well. I don't <laughs> like looking at it that way, though, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not keen on, on this whole... Right, so the, the development team will be doing work, but they usually, would, in an ideal world, they would speak to the product owner and get answers for the questions they have. But that isn't an ideal world and isn't always practical. So the development team are perfectly fine with going asking questions to someone in the finance department or even speaking to the customer directly themselves if they want, as long as all of that stuff is um, agreed by the product owner. The product owner's main responsibility is to prioritise the backlog, prioritise the work that is getting going to get done in the next sprint, really. And they can only do that with the feedback from the customer and also feedback from the development team. So they can't dictate in any way, shape, or form. And it's also worth noting as well that during the sprint planning, it's the developers that estimate things. You never, if, if a product owner or a customer is telling you how long things should uh, take or, in fact, how to do something, then something is going drastically wrong because the product yeah. owner's job is to, I said, guard, really, the development team as best they can, but also uh, make sure that the most valuable features are being worked on first. And that is the key difference between Scrum and Waterfall. We deliver, in a scrum team, you deliver based on the value that that feature is providing the stakeholders. And to us, with our little dark bedrooms that we work in and, and little dark cubicles in the corner of the room, we want to be focused on the hard... The, I'm not saying it's all hard work, but we want to be focused on the difficult task of programming, which, you know, you can argue it's not difficult if you've done it a long time, but it's still... It needs to. It, we need to write a lot of code to get things done a lot of the time, and a lot of it's boring. A lot of it's interesting. It depends on how you look at it and what you. But the key thing, I it depends I on what on, you find fascinating. Yeah, really. I, the thing I thrive on is delivering that value, ticking that box, and going that ticket is done. What we agreed to do is finished. I've checked it in. I've committed it to master or, or um, main or, or you know the develop branch or whatever workflow you're working in doesn't really matter. 
it's been pushed and shared with everybody and it's in there and it works and I've got my tests and everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the product owner. Hopefully that answered Volstrat's question. Um, Archie actually- clarifies. It says, so the product owner is the dev team stakeholder interface. Got it. Yeah, essentially. I mean, remember that a product owner can be a developer as well, but that product owner must be able to um, sit on, put different hats on because a, a developer will make different decisions from somebody who is business focused as well. So the product owner serves yeah. the business. It's a good, the good way to look at this is the product owner serves the business. That's the way that they uh, that that is the their sole responsibility. They do guard the dev team from distractions, but they they serve the business. The development team. So let's talk about the development team members before we get onto the really complicated. Scrum master. The often misunderstood scrum master. Um, So the development team are uh, about, they are the doers. They are generally, they should be cross-functional, i.e. one of the worst things you can do in a scrum team because you work in these small two-week increments is say, you're the database guy, you're the front-end guy, you're the back-end guy. Really, everybody should really be a full-stack developer that can deal with almost anything. And we should be sharing knowledge constantly as part of the Scrum, the stand-up, the Scrum meetings, the stand-ups, the the retrospectives and everything else, all of the ceremonies. All of that knowledge should be shared. I, quite often in Scrum processes, mentor, mentor junior programmers to hand things over to them, to get them used to new technologies, to get them used to how to work with new um, patterns and ideas and teach them how to do test-driven development, that kind of thing. And that feeds into Scrum quite well because we don't have to do paired programming or anything like that to do that, but we can share knowledge. And the development team essentially do things. They serve the product owner. So you see where this is going. The, the, The development team serve the product owner. The product owner serves the business. So really, by proxy, detrimentally, detrimentally, determinally, that's the wrong word, detrimentally, determinally, the development team serve the business via the proxy of the product owner who is largely responsible for the value that is being delivered by the development team. Okay? I find it fascinating that... I find it fascinating that you describe it that way because, you know... um, one of the things that um, I thought about Scrum was that it was designed to prevent siloing. Well, that's the thing is we don't silo because remember people over process. People over process. So when we say when the siloing, the whole point is, is that we are not, we are cross-functional. We are not siloing one developer into, de- I've just said, I, I, did you hear the other no, way no, around? No, 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 it's, it's, it's the fact that the, the silos that I see in my brain tend to be like the dev team is completely segregated from everybody else, period. Like there is something to be said because I have seen teams where you have people who are very database focused or mm-hmm. they're, you know, I've seen teams that are very, you know, front end and they're not all full stack because I'm sorry, we don't live in a perfect world, you know, and while it would be absolutely fabulous to be able to constantly share knowledge Things still need to get done, which means if you are in a point where you have to do something for the business and the business requires a particular thing, you may pass it on to someone who is the most skilled on your team for that particular area. that exact thing happens. So let me give you an example of a ticket, right? So we're working on a product backlog item. That backlog item is, let's take this exception handling thing I was just talking about. That's just so... That just happens to be a thing in my mind because that's what I'm working on at the moment is is global exception handling for. I'll tell you what, product. exception handling is a work of art in it, itself. I love it. it. Really I love is. it because you really do thoroughly need to understand the language that you're working in to properly do exception handling. But anyway, beside not just the point, that, but what you're building as well. Yes, 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 and the requirements of both ends. Anyway, so right, we've got this ticket that is do exception handling. Right, we've agreed the definition of done. We agreed that it needs to do this, 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 and this. Um, we get we we split things out into tasks once we've agreed and kind of said we think this is going to th- this is a a 12 or a 20 story points you know we've give it this arbitrary mm-hmm. value this relative value we then go right let's actually split this down into tasks and talk about it during the sprint planning we end up with six different tasks and we've allocated each of those tasks to individuals based on either what they're best at what they've currently been working on what they've got time to do or it could be Someone's over provisioned, so 
Jeff, can you take this ticket off somebody else? Are you comfortable doing that? Yes, but I'll need to speak to you about it. That's fine. Let's do it. So yes, they might be siloed from the rest of the business, but can you imagine any development team being even remotely productive if they were open to uh, that everyone in the finance and HR department coming to speak to them every five minutes? No, it, 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 to be perfectly <laughs> blunt, we all get annoyed by people bugging us it's, anyway it's when we're in the middle thing. of a thing. It's the productivity no, 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 no. thing. <laughs> Sorry, I have to be clear. I don't mind speaking to people, but if you want me to do my, my job and you want me to be able to deliver something, I need to be able to focus on it. You know? Back off. I've got garlic. <laughs> it's the bean counters. Yeah. So what what I'm what I'm saying is is it's not about siloing the team necessarily because they are free to go and speak to people, but they have right. to speak to people in order to facilitate the completion of their work. You know, and we all do that. I mean, I'm not saying they can't go and speak to someone at the, the water cooler and that kind of thing, but it's about delivering the the things that we've agreed to deliver within that sprint, right? And yes, we have to, I'm sorry, but I don't care who you are, you have to take some responsibility, whether you're a junior developer or a senior developer or or a product manager or something, it doesn't really matter. You have to take responsibility in your job. And if you're, if, if you're letting people come and speak to you all the time and you're open to that, you must have time for that. If you don't have time for that, then you have to put some guards up. And I'm not seeing, I'm not, talking about being horrible to people i'm just talking about just explain to them you know know, radiation stickers do not cross yellow tape i'll give you another example today today at one o'clock i was i I booked in a mentoring session with somebody else on my development team at one of the juniors i booked in a mentoring session at about 10 o'clock I knew that I was behind and I had 16 hours worth of work left to do. Luckily, I managed, I can do my tickets pretty quickly. But these are tickets that I've agreed to do and I've taken on myself. In order to get them done, I said to him, this mentoring that we were going to do, I'm going to have to put it back. I'm sorry, I haven't got time to do it. Are you okay with that? Are you good with your tickets? You know, Because I'm also acting as a scrum master, which we haven't got onto yet as well. So right. um, he, he said, yes, that's fine. Actually, something else has come up with another project anyway within the same business because I, I work on one project because I'm a contractor. They work on loads of different projects. They get pulled from pillar to post all the time. I'm lucky in a sense, I suppose, but I, that's how I work, so that's how it works. Um, yeah, but hearing that just scares me considering so much. Yeah, so but anyway. ideally, their scrum, that, that business's scrum, should really be a scrum for all of the projects, you know, that, that kind of, and, and towards the product, the building the product. But it isn't, and it doesn't really matter. But beside the point, it is like that. And that is an example of me saying to somebody, I'm sorry, I can't help, you know, I can't help you do your job because my job is suffering, if you know what I mean, and do it in an eloquent way. It's not horrible. It is, it's negotiating, and we all do it all the time. So, development team. Is that the development team covered? Do you think, are you happy with that definition of them? They are a cross-functional team of people that do things and complete the sprint The sprint goal. What? Yes, Chris, I agree with this definition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, Poker Weez, Weezbel. Weez, we, Weebel. Weez, oh, Poker's Weebel. There they are, that's it. Or Weebel, depending yeah. upon... Okay, um, right, so the last definition we're going to talk about is, or the last role, bearing in mind the there's these three roles, scrum master. is the Scrum Master. Now, you tell me what you think a Scrum Master is, Josie. I'll let you talk for a little bit. My opinion on it is, besides what you said being misunderstood, it's their job to make certain that these ceremonies are maintained at what they're supposed to be. Mm, not, not too far off, but too solid uh, a definition oh oh so, my i'm so sorry I, ideally a scrum master <laughs> is an evangelist for the scrum framework an evangelist being the key thing but also they are um they don't necessarily make people go to the ceremonies they facilitate um people 
if someone can't make the ceremony, it's not the end of the world, put it that way, you know? Some people have days off, you know, believe it or not. Some people can't make the ceremony on that day because they've got another meeting. That's fine, as long as it doesn't happen too often. But what a scrum master does is they unblock people. So remember when I talked about the product owner serving the business and the development team serving the product owner? Who do you think the scrum master serves? Do you think they serve anybody? Or do you think other people serve them? Scrum master. I actually, I think in all honesty, they serve the project. Oh, good. Not bad. Nearly. They are a servant leader. Officially, that is the term used to describe a scrum master. So they serve the product owner and they serve the development team by leading them through the scrum process. Now, well, a- let me just go right out and say, if you're a leader... You're a good follower at the same time. That's all I'm going to say. Because in the end, all leaders are, are the people supporting the people who they're leading. And anyone who tries to not do that, you ain't a bloody leader. So it's not not about rigidly sticking. Like as a scrum master, it's not about rigidly sticking to the ceremonies. It's not about rigidly making sure that everybody's up into updating tickets and things like that. It's dealing with what you dealt with because at the end of the day, you can't control everybody and that's not how it is. If you try to do that as a scrum master, you're doing your job wrong. Seeing that there's something like quote unquote fixed in something that is so agile. It's so developed to change. It's Yes, and it does change. So uh, one thing that's been happening in the scrum that I'm working in at the moment is that the stand-ups have been getting slightly longer every day. Tiny Ooh, bit longer. Dear. A couple of minutes here and there. Things have been slipping a little bit. People are talking about more things in the stand-ups than they should do. So tomorrow, which is our retrospective day, we're at the end of our sprint, in the retrospective I will bring that up as the scrum scrum master and I will say to them, we need to be more rigid about this because we're wasting other people's time. When me and Jeff talk about um, talk about this interface being wrong and go into the detail about it and start asking questions to each other, that is an indicator for us to say, stop, take this offline because we're wasting uh, Sarah and Francis's time, you know, whoever right. else is on the team. Because they don't need to know the detail that we need to know. They will know that detail if they ever need to. You know, we can pass that information on to them. And the review, the, the review is, is that moment where we can share that information with them. And if they are so inclined, they can get involved in that in the next, if they've got time and, they've, and tickets are allocated to them, they can in, get involved in that and start working on that part of the, the software. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's about it's about facilitating other people and reminding people of what it's about and keeping that hat on and making sure that you're not stepping outside of the lines too often or it's things aren't getting out of control. It's facilitating the usage of the tools. It's helping people unblock each other. It's explaining that, right, we need to take that offline, you know, from the stand-ups. And so, Sarah, you need to speak to Jeff. Go off and speak to them after the stand-up it's not about telling them they have to do it it's saying right so that's blocking you isn't it and explaining that you're blocked by this other person so a five minute conversation might unblock them you might need more time it might move into the next sprint it's not the end of the world we're still making progress we might have a completely failed sprint but let's focus on what we did well and also what we did wrong and what we need to improve to make sure we don't do that wrong again it's a it's yeah. a positive mental attitude that you need to maintain and it's it's not they're essentially a scrum trainer and they're an ongoing scrum trainer that that is me- a member of the team constantly they pretty much tend everything they don't have to if scrum masters like quite often big companies you know big enterprise companies they will have a scrum master that will jump between lots of different teams and that will be their job but oh there's even certifications for scrum masters which is it's, Don't get it's, me started it's, on Scrum and Agile certifications. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the thing. I, I have also realized we're at a point where we need to start wrapping up. So wow. here's my thinking. <laughs> here's my thinking. In this particular show, we have talked about the Agile Manifesto. We have discussed a, bait, a basic bit of Scrum. We've laid the foundation through understanding what ceremonies are and some roles. We've talked a little bit about... Um, <laughs> some of the things that can occur. How about if next week we continue with all of the notes that we currently have? Yeah, and we'll and talk we about the pros, there. the pros, the cons, the benefits, the drawbacks, um, maybe the differences between things like what 
waterfall and lean potentially i haven't got as much experience with lean it comes from kind of the car manufacturing world but it's kind of I'm sorry, Voltscratch just said more scrum to come. Oh. Nice. I'm like, that is such that's, our that's title next week's for title. next week. Thank you. You have no idea Sorry. how long Chris and I will sit and think <laughs> of titles for shows. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've we've defined... I think I've actually got to a pretty good point there because we, we've said... It's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry we didn't talk about more because I've that's been a it's been a crisp podcast well, today, hasn't it? Well, see, here's the thing. I think a big part of um, any discussion in Scrum, you need to understand what those people are talking about because I have seen people discuss things differently, and seeing and hearing what you see it as means I understand what you're talking about. I don't experience Scrum because of all of the fact that I do 99% solo work. So, you know, in my particular case, it's uh, sort of a, uh, where is it at in today's day and age? Because Scrum's been around for a while. Oh, yeah. Agile development's been around for a while. 20 years. So, or longer, to be fair. 20 years ago, they actually created the manifesto, Agile Manifesto. But yeah. it was around before that. It just wasn't kind of officialized. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's what we'll do. We will continue with more Scrum to come next week. <laughs> also, oh, by yeah. the way, if you have any horror stories or really cool success stories with Scrum, get in touch with us through Twitter at DNI Stream or uh, through our you know contact page. But... Let us move into what we do before we end the show. We do something called the BYOM. This is our chance to bring our manual to you. This is where we get to share things that we have learned that we think might be interesting or might be kind of cool or uh, just anything. And we do try to stand to tick, tend there. We do try to stick to development-based topics, but that's not always the thing that we discuss as something that we've learned. So, you know. That's something to keep in mind. Chris, do you have something this week? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned actually a fair bit this week, and I, was, I actually learned something from somebody that I was training um, about a, a framework that I've used for years called Mock. Um, it's a mocking framework for unit testing. Um, and I, I, this isn't what I was going to talk about. I'm going to talk about C Sharp 9 being brilliant. But um, it, it was interesting. That <laughs> oh, my God. I, I remember when C Sharp came out. I, I remember. Oh. Um, sorry, I, I, I trained somebody on, like, basically how to use this. And then two weeks later, they come back at me and say, I've done this test, pushed it, and I looked at it. And I said, well, why have you done that? That looks mad. That's crazy. There's some closures going on there, etc." Didn't say it like that, but, you know, I mean, oh, that's what I thought. And then I looked at it a bit more detail, and I went, oh, just something I've learned there. And it's nice to see me teaching somebody, them using a tool that I know pretty damn well in a very different way to me and, and learning from them, you know. And it doesn't happen that often to me these days because I'm used to the tools that I use, you know, but it's really cool that happened. But anyway, my BYOM, or BYOM is C-sharp 9 because it looks brilliant. As do all new C-sharp releases because I am a C sharp fanboy. But two thing two features in particular in C sharp nine, um, because .NET five got released yesterday, I think. .NET five, um, the newest version of .NET Core. It's not called .NET Core, it's called .NET now because they're going unified. Um well uh, the two two new features. One are headless programs. So you can write a program without a class, without creating a main method without creating the program um, class. I don't know if you've ever written anything in C-sharp, but it's uh, you have to you yeah. normally you start a new program and you see new uh, public class program with a main method and that main method to get called and that's but it, it probably does that in the background somewhere, but you now don't, you now don't need to do that to uh, create new programs in C-sharp 9. Um, and the other mm. the other cool thing was uh, they brought in a new reference type that acts like value types. Um, I'm not going to explain what reference and value types are because we're we're too deep in the conversation, <laughs> deep into in, this too is, deep. This that. is what gets you excited, though. It does. Yes. But what they've they've introduced a new type um, called a record type, and I haven't fully investigated it yet. But this looks like it's going to drastically reduce the amount of boilerplate code I have to write for Poco objects. So Poco objects are plain old CLR objects or Pojo plain old Java objects if you're in the Java world. Um, and all they do is really hold data 
You know, we, we pass them mm-hmm. around and we pass them in and out of methods and you mainly use them for, well, say mainly, we use them for it when we're designing APIs, uh, RESTful APIs or, or even any old school WCF APIs or anything like that. Just basically data structures that hold information. Um, but these re- these new record types look like they're basically one-liners and they just define the name and then the type and the, the, the property names. And it looks like that's going to replace got so much code for me and it's going to make things a lot easier i might even be able to have one class with all of my api definitions in and it makes sense which might be useful so i'm looking forward to playing with them that's what i've learned so what about you Mm -hmm. josie i'll let you talk for 55 minutes the topic with us as to who ends up with the bigger mouth it's it's the nature of how this show works it's also why i love chatting with you chris um in my particular case uh the past week i have been spending a lot of time nailing down rfps for those who are unfamiliar with the concept an rfp is a request for proposal it's where you present to a vendor or a potential vendor what it is you're looking to accomplish what it is you're looking to get and they then turn around and say here's what we can offer based on either our services, our skill sets, or what have you. And in this particular case, I'm uh, doing a bunch of RFPs based on uh, my monitoring solution because I have so many different types of monitoring that is done and I want to be able to visually see and work with the uh, different sources in one environment. And I have found out that through my building my RFPs, every time I talk to um, someone about what it is I'm trying to find or et cetera, every single one of them goes, that's a SaaS product that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) And I find myself going, isn't that just the case with every single thing that we as developers tend to do. We tend to like, we want things a very particular way. And then we go out looking for it. We don't find it. And then we sit there and we go, maybe that's my ticket to millionaire, millionaire Tesla row or something why, like that. That's why there are so many different versions of the same thing out there doing slightly oh different God. things. Yes. That, there's that XKCD uh, comic if you're about, I can't remember what it was called now but it was basically spe- it was about specifications wasn't it let's create mm-hmm. specification version 3 because 2.0 doesn't do what 1.0 used to do and 2.0 is slightly old now or let's create another one oh my god yes we hate specifications but let's create a specification to to Solve all specifications. I don't know. Or, or, or my favorite thing is in the process of doing this, I have companies trying to oversell me. I'm like, that is not what I'm asking for. I have a list of specific things that I need accomplished. I have a list of things that would be really kind of nice to have, but are not a requirement. But um, then they're like, but then you can do all of this other stuff. And I'm just like, fuck her off. No. You're going outside my scope here. You're wasting my time. And Chris has just linked the XKCD thing. I'll be sure to include it in our show notes as well for those who catch up with that uh, in in the future. I should be better at that because I, I refer to that. SK, that's one of the few XKCD ones that I refer to every now and again, but I should be better remembering. It's about standards, not specifications. It, it doesn't matter. It all kind of, it all kind of um, uh, links up as the case may be. But yes, so that was our BYOM. And we're now at the end of our show. Thank you to all of you in Twitch chat who have joined us live and jumped in with thoughts, questions, and welcome to anyone who is new. And uh, for everyone who's listening into the podcast in the future, hi, please come see us live. Yes, we haven't been around on the podcast for a while, but we are still here. Uh, anyway yes you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live where we have links to all of our podcast channels um, and our you know, things like Spotify which I'm, I've actually listened to us on Spotify we're a bit quiet on Spotify actually probably a bit quiet everywhere so maybe I need to do something about that in the post editing sounds a bit yeah I'll, I'll have a look at that so maybe the next maybe this this particular episode will be louder than the rest of them so sorry about that <laughs> sorry if it suddenly comes on and you listen to it in bed or something I don't know what you, what you're doing listen to us in bed but 
Um, yes, so uh, our Discord wow. link is on there as well, and um, you can contact us on the website for any reason whatsoever. If you've got any comments, queries, uh, suggestions of topics, or you want to be a guest on the show, um, please do get in touch. And lastly, do not fo- forget to follow our Twitch thing. That way, I'll point the right direction one day. <laughs> down over there. She just said, don't follow us on Twitch. Did I just say, don't follow us on Twitch? we're so successful at this whole marketing thing (laughs) self-promotion it's self-demotion that's what it is oh my gosh as Volstra just said turn it up to 11 turn the podcast up to 11 so I'll make sure that it's really badly compressed and, and you can't understand us and we sound like aliens Oh my gosh, no, no. And, and do keep in mind, we do have more episodes coming out um, from the past couple months that haven't yet hit on YouTube and on the Spotify, Google Play, Apple Store, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Until then, we hope to see you all next week where we're going to have more Scrum to come. <laughs> Yay! At 7 p.m., 7 p.m. GMT UK time basically on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. All that's left to do is say bye bye. So bye bye, Chris. <laughs> Goodbye, Josie. Goodbye, and everybody. Bye, everyone.